If you're ready to ditch the heat lamp and upgrade your feathered and furry friends, you should check out Sweeter Heater. Sweeter Heater products provide a safe, soft, gentle, infrared radiant heat to your new poultry friends. It is designed to warm the animal, not the environment, and is fully adjustable to maintain the ideal comfort level for the animal. It's far safer than traditional heat lamps, and the peace of mind this product provides is priceless. Sweeter Heater has a variety of models and sizes to meet your needs. Go to SweeterHeater.com and use code DRINKANDFARM to get 15% off one or more heaters. That's SweeterHeater.com with code DRINKANDFARM, all lowercase. had trouble getting that one open i beat you to it (laughs) you did it's not like we have a lot of practice at this or anything (laughs) right well what you drinking over there oh i'm going first today (laughs) yeah i mean now we're all messed up (laughs) (laughs) well since i open first i guess i'll go first so i am drinking a twisted tea half and half so it's a half hard iced tea half hard lemonade um I've been drinking these like water outside during our fence building project, which is dangerous Mm. um, because they taste like juice. And then all of a sudden you're seven deep and you're not feeling intoxicated. (laughs) But the next day my stomach is like, what did you do? And like I have a dehydration headache. Mm. Um, So, yeah, drinking more water. Also got electrolyte packets to drink before and after doing farm work in the summer. And that's helping a ton. Um, but I also found out these are like 250 calories each, so maybe I shouldn't drink seven of them. Otherwise, I'm going to get a beer cut. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. So we're pumping the brakes a little bit there for a couple of reasons. But it is really good to drink while you're out and doing non-machinery-related farm work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Sounds delicious. What are you drinking? I opened a Bell's Brewing Flamingo Fruit Fight, and you have had this before. Yes, I have. It's very good, isn't it? Yeah, it is really good. I really like what they wrote on the bottom of the can. It says, this fruit fight started when two flamingos walked into a bar. You wouldn't believe what happened next. (laughs) (laughs) And it really does have two flamingos fighting on the can. (laughs) The can art is very good on that. I I will say that, too. Yeah. It is. I love entertaining (laughs) beer. I'm entertained easily these days. (laughs) (laughs) And welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. From hobby farmers to the large-scale real deal farmers. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and the new knowledge we gain, so hopefully you don't feel so alone in this farm thing. 
And sometimes we forget our lines during our commercials, <laughs> and we have to cut those and put them up on the Patreon. <laughs> or Bev meows when she hits the record button and Sam loses it. And you definitely want to go to patreon.com slash drink and farm and become a patron at $2 a month or a little bit more if you want to level up there. Um, so you can hear all kinds of weird stuff that we do and cut off the podcast to put up there for your listening enjoyment yes it's called exclusive content yes <laughs> that is how we, we label it <laughs> our drink peep this episode is our friend elise ferguson which is at egf brahma mama over on the instagram so cheers lady cheers and we got some follow-up today some really informative follow-up Yes, yes, we do. So we're leaving the uh, Amplify Black Farming Voices up on our website on the navigation side. And we're continuing to update that list with just new links, articles, things uh, we find or people uh, that we think help add to that conversation. So Mm-hmm. There was a really great um, short article from Food Science Babe that came out on Ag Daily just a few days ago, and it talks about structural racism in the U.S. food and agricultural system. So that link was just added to it, and so we wanted to just have like a little corner where we just reminded yeah. you guys it was there. So you can go find those things, read them, uh, and consume them. And just know that uh, this is a topic that we're still thinking about. But, you know, we're a farm comedy podcast. So yeah, the best we can do for now is do what we can to make this an inclusive community. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways we're doing that is by promoting these things so that you guys know uh, that we're thinking about it, too. And we're right. listening and learning and continuing that journey. Yeah. And if you want to come along on that journey with us, that's why we're maintaining that list of links. This article that Bev found and sent over to me is very informative. Um, But it acknowledges that it's a very complex issue, and we thought about maybe doing a whole episode on it. But really, I think the article speaks for itself, so you should definitely go take a read at that if it's something that you're diving into. And that author of the article, the Food Science Babe, she's got a ton of stuff about it on her Instagram. So you could definitely go over there and get lost. And I suggest that you go check that out if it's something that you're interested in doing. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. But, you know, what else this month is? Well, besides the start of summer and it's June and it's probably hot as balls outside for most of us. But it is dairy month. Yes. Yay. Yes, it is. And in fact, this is really exciting because we realize like this is our third year doing this podcast. <laughs> and we, Sam and I, we work and have lots of things yes. <laughs> that we work on. And sometimes we don't pay attention to the calendar or like what's yeah. happening outside of our immediate sphere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're going to get to talk about 
a dairy subject for Dairy Month. Yeah. It's like, you know, after three years, we've kind of gotten our shit together. But not really. Um, Bev actually brought this up last week. She's like, we should do something about milking. And I was like, oh, my God, it's brilliant. Um, It's easier for us to kind of be more on theme, I think, in the winter months when there's not as much going on outside on top of the work. So, like, around Christmas time, we did a lot of fun, like, Christmas things, like, about reindeer and poisonous plants to keep away from your chickens that are, like, holiday decor. But, yeah, I feel like we're we're big kids now with the dairy month (laughs) stuff. We are. And it's also a really exciting topic to get to talk about right now because I have what is most definitely a pregnant goat. Yes, you do. <laughs> she's so pregnant. <laughs> she she's so pregnant. Her udder is huge. Like yeah. I I didn't know uh that it would grow like that while she still has Oh yeah. She's got like forty five days left. Oh she yeah. still has a lot. That's usually how I can tell at first if it wasn't planned. I just look at their belly size and their udder, and then usually it's an oh shit moment. Oh. And we had that oh shit moment, I think, this week with Maya. We believe she is pregnant, and it is a whoops again. But luckily, we have our fencing situation kind of more together now, so it shouldn't be a whoops ever again. Um, as long as nobody hops the fence. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this is a really good article for for me too because i would like to try to milk more consistently and maya is the one that i said would be a joy to milk and that is the title of a recent episode that we put out there so (laughs) that's right this is great timing for both of us yes so today we're going to talk about milking practices and some management things you'll want to think about while you have a milking animal and we're specifically going to talk about goats because that's what we both have it's our jam I I can't go milk Percy, so... Uh, That would not be milk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor Percy. So dairy goats, like dairy cows, uh, must be milked at least twice a day um, for most of the duration of their 10-month lactation, which 10 months is 305 days. So that is a lot of milking. That's quite a commitment to do this for their whole lactation cycle. It is. There is a method where you can do once a day milking. Yes. I've seen like that as a uh, acronym, uh-huh. <laughs> like in some of the Facebook groups and stuff. But uh, this article doesn't talk about that. Right. So we'll that will to... probably be more my jam, honestly, especially if I have to start going back into an office in the next couple months. Yeah, and once a day milking is definitely going to be my jam as well. Uh, even though I prefer to just stay on my farm all the time, I know that that's not logical mm-hmm. or feasible. Right. So I think I'm going to be a morning milker Ooh. is what I'm thinking. See, yeah. I think I'm going to be an evening one or like mm. afternoon if I don't go back into the office anytime soon. <laughs> 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 that's like my caveat for everything. Yes. Just because goats are smelly, even if they're female, so I'd rather shower it off after work than before. That's my logic. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, So 
You know, dairy goats and cows are similar, but unlike cows, it only takes several minutes to milk out a doe. Thank goodness. Yes. And most can give three quarts to one and a half gallons of very white, sweet milk daily. Which is a lot. That's amazing. And it that is dependent on which breed you have. Yes. And the size, mm-hmm. probably. We both have Nigerian dwarf goats, so we will probably be closer to that three quarts yeah. number. And in fact, I think Nigerian dwarf goats might be a little less than that. Yeah, it it totally depends on their breeding and their lines. Some really good dairy lines might give you a ton of milk. Luckily oh, for true. us, we don't need a ton here. So <laughs> I will just take what we get. <laughs> yes, same. <laughs> and dairy goats will tend to increase in production to about their third or fourth month of lactation. And then they'll start gradually decreasing. And this is known as a lactation curve. And it's generally more desirable to have a relatively flat curve. In other words, a doe who milks cons- consistently throughout her lactation. Who doesn't like consistency? Yeah, consistency is good. Yes. And most does under good management will tend to increase production during each lactation, so each freshening, uh, up to or until they reach four or five years old. And then their total yearly production should level off around that time or decrease. And like Sam already mentioned, production totally varies with the individual doe and their genetic background. Uh, Feeding uh, will affect the amount of milk you get, their health, their age, how you manage them. And there is some evidence that suggests that does carrying several kids are more likely to milk more than those carrying just one. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. They've got more mouths to feed. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Tonks has like 10 in there. (laughs) So I'm going to have a lot of milk. A lot of bottle feeding to do, too. Yeah, Yeah. because she only has, what, two teats? (laughs) Yeah. Yep. So when the kids arrive five months after the dough is bred, they may be left on the dough or taken from her and bottle fed. It's totally up to you. Um, Regardless, it's not usually a great idea to milk the dough a ton on our first day, especially since they, you know, have that colostrum for their babies. Um, But you can gradually start to increase um, how often you're milking her out after a few days. Um... So if you do suddenly milk out a heavy t- producing just fresh dough, um, this can actually predispose her to ketosis or milk fever by creating a calcium depletion in her body. But feeding oat hay or other hay low in calcium, not alfalfa, for several weeks prior to kidding will also help alleviate that potential problem. So from where I sit, I feel like I would just probably leave Maya alone for like a week or so. And then get in on that sweet milk goodness after that. <laughs> yeah, that seems like a good plan. And it's good to know that, too, because um, like as somebody who's about to have like my first milking animal, it's really exciting to just yeah. like want to get in there and start going. But like so Tonks is going to be a first freshener. It's the first time that she's been a mom. So really, it's probably best for everyone if I leave them alone. You know, mm. for a few days to kind of like yeah. figure it out. And then. Yeah. 
And then start trying to figure out how to get milk out of her. It's going to be an adventure. (laughs) It is an adventure. That is for sure. But yeah, I think erring on the side of caution doesn't hurt anything. Yeah, for sure. Um, And uh, one of the methods that this article talks about uh, involves like leaving the kids with the dough and then starting to separate them at around two weeks of age. So the way that that works is in the evenings, uh, the kids are separated from their dams for the night. And uh, this person happens to do a twice a day milking. So they milk her out in the evening after taking the kids away. And then the following morning, they're milked out completely again. And then the kids and the moms are turned out together for the day. Uh, And they start this at about 10 days to two weeks old. Um, So they say that when you manage your kids this way, they tend to grow well and learn early to eat hay and other forages by their dam's example. And they also tend to be tamer, probably because they're getting a lot of humor, human interaction mm-hmm. in the evenings, you know, during separation and then when they're being put back together. But then they're also getting the benefit of getting to learn by example from mom. Right. Which is really cool because, like, I remember my bottle babies took forever to eat um, <laughs> to like learn hay. how to go. Yeah. yeah, they yeah, they did not know how to go. It was it was very striking. <laughs> yeah. Big difference. Mm-hmm. Yes, big difference. Oh, and they also tend to wean at about 3 to 4 months of age and it they say that this method has caused less stress for them at their farm. So now let's talk about what it takes to milk a goat. You mean we can't just milk in a bucket and then tip the bucket up and start chugging? I mean, you could, but it's not <laughs> recommended. Is there like food safety things going into this? Yeah, so <laughs> turns out that cleanliness is pretty important when you're milking. Oh. Yeah, so goats are most easily milked in a milking stand specifically made for that purpose. And these stands are about 12 inches off the ground with a stanchion to hold the doe's neck and tray for grain, which she eats while being milked. It's a great distraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, also works great for hoof trimming, too. Same. <laughs> yes. The milker can sit on the stand facing toward the rear while milking. Try to situate your stand in a clean area where it can be hosed down and you have drainage. Um, and anywhere from contaminants such as loose hay, dust, manure odors, and the like. Um, it is also well to situate it away from any bucks during the breeding season, which tends to be between September to March, because of the odor. Milk readily absorbs odors in the air. Along this line, avoid feeding your milking does less than two hours before milking. Especially any feeds with strong odors, as they these two can come out in the milk flavor. And this actually can be true about cattle as well. And I did not know the whole feed thing before today. I knew the stinky buck thing, but yeah. I did not know about the feed. Oh, it's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this section was super important for me because, like, I keep my milking stand in one of the barn stalls, mm-hmm. which has a dirt floor and loose straw all mm. over the ground. So it is clearly not a great place to do our milking. So I'm going to do some thinking on where I can re-situate that. But I'm thinking 
on the concrete inside the barn should be sufficient. Uh, But the barn needs a good cleaning. Our barn is a freaking mess right now. (laughs) It's a barn. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm guessing it doesn't need to be spotless. You just don't want to pick the dirtiest place in your barn if you can help it. Yeah. I think it might just depend on people's circumstances, but there are other ways that you could clean the area if you can't like hose it down and like drain it and all that fun stuff. That's true. Well, I'm thinking of our barn stalls in particular, and maybe they just need like a good sweeping and scraping and stuff, but like the walls are dusty and Mm. there's, you know, like spider webs everywhere because I can't seem to get the spiders to stop coming in. Oh, heck no. Never. (laughs) (laughs) So everything just always feels dusty, if that makes sense. Like even the air feels dusty in there. (laughs) Absolutely. So uh, to start milking your dough, you're going to bring her to the milking stand and secure her in the neck on the stanchion with grain available. Uh, And they recommend you prime the udder with a warm solution udder wash. And you'll want to use a clean towel or a washcloth and wash thoroughly the teats and all of the surrounding area. And then you can use a clean, large towel or a brand new, never used paper towel to completely dry the teats and the washed area. And this will help give you like a clean base to work from because if the milk comes from a dirty udder, it's probably not going to be clean when it hits the bucket. And um, after you're done priming the goat, you can draw a few streams of milk from each teat and discard it. Um, this is also just a best practice for making sure you get rid of any funky stuff that maybe just got up in the teat a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can milk quickly and gently. And it's important to remember not to pull. You like squeeze. There's like a whole uh, method to this madness. So definitely YouTube a little bit, but it's tricky. <laughs> it's a little tricky to get used to, but once you get in a rhythm, it's actually a lot of fun. So uh, our kids have this, uh, we have a Nintendo Switch, and it has this game called One Two Switch that has a milking, like, (laughs) is one of the competitions that you do. Uh Um, And the way that it has you do it is it has you actually, like, squeeze, but you start, um, so you have your hand so that your thumb is pointing upwards, and you squeeze, but you like squeeze downward. So you start with your index finger, then your middle finger, your ring finger, oh. and your pinky. So you're kind of like squeezing in a downward position, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I always wonder if milking is really like that. More so than the pulling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny that they have games that simulate the milking. Yeah, somebody <laughs> really thought about that. <laughs> right? I know. So... After you do your priming and you have drawn out those first few streams of milk, uh, the milk letdown lasts about a minute or two, and it begins about a minute after priming. So you want to milk quickly to withdraw all the milk. So you want to make sure that you have everything on hand that you need for this process. So you're not, you know, like priming and then walking away for a long time and then coming back. Um, And you want to be sure that you milk until she's dry. Another method is to first draw a few streams of milk from each tea and then prime the udder. Um, Same reason that I already talked about for the contaminants type thing. Um, so it's either do you prime it before or do you after totally up to your preference. 
Um, and you want to be milking into a clean, air-dried stainless steel bucket, preferably one with a half-covered lid made specifically for goats, which I didn't really realize was a thing until I read this article, so I'm going to be on the lookout for one of those. Um, besides helping keep debris and hair from falling into the milk, the half-covered lid also helps to keep milk from spattering out of the bucket as you initially start to milk, which would be super helpful too. Yeah, I've got a whole list of things I need to buy. All the things. All the things. Because I also uh, need to put together my birthing kit. But luckily, we have an episode about that. <laughs> if you're still feeding your flock mealworms, you want to listen to this. We know you love your flock just as much as we do, which is why we strongly encourage you to spoil your flock with Grubbly Farms Grubblies. With Grubblies, you can give your chickens all of that protein for their feathers, plus 50 times more calcium than mealworms provided for their eggs. When you switch from mealworms to grublies, you'll start noticing a difference in the quality of your eggs, and your flock will follow you anywhere for them. Grublies are safely and sustainably harvested in the United States at FDA-approved grub farms to ensure the highest levels of food safety and quality for our feathered families. Every batch is then tested for any potential contaminants and pathogens and packaged with love for your fluffy family to enjoy. So say goodbye to throwing handfuls of made-in-China mealworms to your chickens and hello to a happier, healthier flock with Grubbly Farms Grubblies, the official chicken snack of the Drink and Farm podcast. You can go to grublyfarms.com and use code FARM15 to get 15% off your first order and Grubblies always ship free. All right, so we're done milking now. What do Yay! we do, Bev? <laughs> I don't know. Drink it, stay out of the bucket. That's no! still where I'm stuck at. <laughs> so, still wrong. Still wrong, unfortunately. There are a few more steps that we must take. Okay. So, when you're finished milking, you want to dip both of the dose teats into a good teat dip. Then, immediately strain the milk through a stainless steel or aluminum strainer outfitted with a new clean milk filter disc. And into a clean container such as a one-quart glass jar or a larger stainless steel or aluminum can. Cool right away in an ice water bath inside a refrigerator or cooler for fastest and most thorough cooling. Um, it's important to strain the milk right away to get rid of excess dirt and debris, um, which will create a high bacteria count. And since bacteria multiply on average every 20 minutes in warm temperatures, it's important to, like, do this right away. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I've been thinking about, because I do have some experience with raw milk, because I got raw milk from, mm -hmm. a, from a cow dairy. Um, a cow dairy. <laughs> That's a weird way to say that. But anyways, uh, for the cooling off right away, one of the things I've been thinking of is getting, like, a small cooler that I can put ice in because I have an ice maker um, in my freezer and we can put fill like the little cooler with ice. And then when you're done milking, just immediately cover the bucket and plunge it into the cooler in the ice so that it starts cooling, you know, like right away while mm -hmm. you're doing your finishing up and putting the dough back and, you know, bringing it back into the house. So, yeah, I know that cooling it, cooling it immediately will help the milk last longer for sure because, uh, bacteria multiply like really fast in warm environments mm -hmm. goat's milk is easily pasteurized too if you want to do that um by heating to 165 to 170 degrees fahrenheit for 30 seconds 
You'll want to use a glass candy making or dairy thermometer for determining temperature. After pasteurization, it is important to cool the milk off in an ice water bath immediately after pasteurization to bring the temperature down to 35 degrees Fahrenheit as soon as possible to retain good flavor and quality. However, pasteurization will not make dirty milk clean nor improve quality that is not there in the first place. So it's a step in the process, not a miracle worker. (laughs) Yeah, you can't start with dirty milk and suddenly have really clean milk because you pasteurized it. (laughs) Yeah. Pasteurized milk can keep for a week to 10 days stored in a refrigerator. Raw milk keeps for about a week, though may develop slight off flavor afterwards. And I don't have a ton of experience with raw milk. So Bev, do you find that to be true? Yes. So this is going to be really interesting. So I actually have two different places that I've been getting raw cow's milk from. Mm -hmm. And the first one, the one that I've always used, after about seven days, it's funny, I can tell immediately when it's been (laughs) seven days since the cow was milked. Um, I don't know if slight off flavor is the right word for it. It just tastes sour. Um, But it's not bad. Like I wouldn't drink it that way because – It's just, it's not pleasant anymore after that, but it's not bad. So what I do with milk that has developed that like sour flavor Mm -hmm. is I use it in baking. So I make like pancakes or cakes or cupcakes or anything where it's going to get cooked and warmed up is typically just fine once it's developed that flavor. Um, But then if it sits in the fridge long enough that it's like separated into like what is clearly chunks and then like liquid water yeah. I usually dump it at that point <laughs> I don't blame you yeah um but the new dairy that I've been getting raw milk from uh I've been getting at least like 10 to 12 days out of it Ooh. so I don't know if their process is a little different or maybe it's not totally raw milk maybe they like partially pasteurize it or I don't know maybe they get it to us faster you know what I mean like yeah. maybe the other place milks a few days prior before delivery and that's why so I don't know I found that really interesting though when I I found a place where I could actually go pick it up so I don't have to pay the delivery fee so it Ooh. saves me like a ton of money <laughs> no milkman coming to Beth's door I know it's kind of funny though yeah I was like an old-fashioned person with like a milkman but I didn't leave glass bottles he dropped off a cooler full Aww. of milk <laughs> It's it's with the times. Yeah, it is. It has definitely upgraded and it's a like refrigerated van. <laughs> <laughs> and just as a reminder, it's best to store milk in the coolest part of your refrigerator, which might be the bottom shelf towards the rear of the refrigerator, which I'm always like top shelf in the front personally. So I would need to change that. <laughs> yeah, because how often do you pull milk out of the fridge? Like, not often. Oh, see, I pull it out all the time. But I also put it in my coffee and, like, everything. Oh. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it depends on if we have the kids here or not. Because if we do, they're big cereal eaters. Matt is also a big cereal eater on the weekend. So mm. it probably depends on the day of the week. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So to make sure that your milk 
stays delicious. You want to make sure that you keep it refrigerated at all times, especially raw milk. Um, It won't keep nearly as well if you let it sit out on the counter and it's allowed to warm up uh, because once milk is warm, it takes a long time to cool off again unless it's placed in one of those ice water bath things that we just talked Mm -hmm. about. Um, So it's just better not to let it warm up. And also don't mix warm milk with already cold milk because what that does is it raises the temperature of the entire batch. So like for my milking, I'm actually planning on keeping everything in separate jars just so that I don't like yeah. accidentally do that or yeah. you know like because I think the thinking is by adding new milk to it you could potentially uh, extend the life of your mm-hmm. older milk but yeah. I think all you really do in that instance is make your newer milk uh, go sour faster <laughs> yeah exactly because once that bacteria starts multiplying like it's hard to stop <laughs> yeah it totally All right. So in the barn, milk quality can be enhanced by maintaining the clean surroundings and milking clean animals like we talked about earlier. Um, When managing your milking dairy goats, keep note of any that are on antibiotics or have been wormed as there are recommended withholding times on the milk for human consumption on a lot of those products. Um, And first fresheners sometimes have very small teats, which make things difficult when you're trying to milk them. But they usually lengthen out to a comfortable length within several weeks of kidding. However, some bloodlines will tend to transmit that trait. So avoid breeding bucks with such lines. So you want that dough that looks like a pleasure to milk. (laughs) (laughs) A joy. A A joy joy to milk. milk. Yes. So uh, mastitis and other diseases are rarely a problem, um, but it's recommended that you milk any does with health problems last so that you don't accidentally transmit disease from one doe to the next. I'll only have one, maybe two milking does at a time, so uh, that'll help alleviate that problem. And um, you want to prime does that might have any underlying issues using clean paper towels or uh, clean washing implements and discard them after use because you don't want to accidentally transmit it. Bag balm works wonders on minor abrasions and chapped udders. Um, Obviously, uncomfortable animals are not easy to work with, so it's wise to treat problems as they arise. So, yeah. Yeah. Make sure you're just taking good care of your animals and don't be rough on them when you're milking them. (laughs) Seems fair. Seems fair. So that's it. Yeah. There's our Dairy Month contribution. We hope you enjoyed. (laughs) We hope that uh, it was helpful. And if you have any fun milking goat stories or any advice, feel free to send that to us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com. Or in our Facebook group, we might just pull that content and talk about it in an episode or a mini-sode. Yes. We could definitely use your hilarious milking stories. Yes, please. Uh, and also <laughs> your advice, because yeah. we don't know what we're doing. Right. We just read an article <laughs> that sounded good and consistent with a bunch of things that I've heard previously, and it was from... Uh, smallfarmersjournal.com. We'll link to it in the show notes if you'd like to check it out. There's stuff in there too about breeding and just goats in general. So make sure you check that article out. Yes. Yes, for sure. 
So it's time for We Can't Even Corner now. Yes. It was a slow week for farm news. Yeah, I saw a lot of sad farm news. I had to Google for probably like an hour to find something today, and mine's alcohol-related. It's not even (laughs) farm-related. Oh, mine's not farm-related either. Well, what, what did you decide that you can't even about this week? So... Today, not not today today, because we're recording on so a different tomorrow. day than this drop. Two days. So actually, Friday. Yes. Yeah. So the day that this episode drops Friday is June 19th, and it's actually a holiday. And it's a holiday that I didn't know anything about. So I hmm. thought maybe there were some listeners that might not know anything about it as well. So the holiday today is Juneteenth. And... What that is, is that actually celebrates the day that all slaves were notified that the Civil War was over and that they were free. Hmm. So I thought that that was interesting. It's not that I can't even about that. I think that is a really awesome thing. But there's just like a little, um, the article that I pulled from is from the New York Times. I'll link to it in the show notes, but I just pulled like one little paragraph to read from it. And it says on June 19th, 1865, about two months after the Civil War had ended, the Union General Gordon Granger arrived in Galveston, Texas to inform enslaved African-Americans of their freedom. And General Granger's announcement put into effect the Emancipation Proclamation, which had been issued more than two and a half years earlier on January 1st, 1863, by President Abraham Lincoln. And the holiday received its name by combining June and 19. And the day is sometimes Ah. called Juneteenth, Independence Day, Freedom Day, or Emancipation Day. So we're all over the calendar this month. Yeah. <laughs> like on top of it. <laughs> and then s- Saturday is the summer solstice. So we'll just throw oh, that in there too. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, we cannot forget the solstice. I'm actually really excited it's the solstice because the days have gotten a little long for me. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, we're, we're outside playing with the dogs and I'm like, how is it already nine o'clock? It does not feel like nine o'clock. <laughs> yes, that has been happening over here too. So <laughs> now hopefully everybody knows what Juneteenth is. So what's your can't even this week? So mine feels shallow AF now after that. Oh, well. <laughs> but mine is important news if anybody's deciding to fly anytime soon as like a There PSA. we go. Yes. So some airlines are banning alcohol on planes in response to COVID-19. Why? I feel like alcohol is what you should be drinking on a plane, Uh, you know, because it cleans the edge of the glass. Yeah. And (laughs) it makes me less edgy. I mean, because I have a fear of heights. So taking off and landing is always a little scary for me. Yeah. Um, But I do okay with it. Um. And then also, like, if there are screaming children on the plane, whether they're yours or not, that can Mm -hmm. be a little stressful and a little, you know, something might take the edge off of that, you know? Yes. So, obviously, people drink on planes. I've never seen somebody get, like, bombed on a plane to the point where they're, like, obliterated. But, you know, you see it happening. Um, But certain flights, like Delta Airlines, um, their flights that are domestic or within the Americas, um, they will not be serving alcohol. But on international flights, you can get beer, wines, and spirits. Um, American Airlines is limiting food and drink service in the main cabin. 
um, according to flight length and destination. Access to alcohol, however, is preserved for long-haul international flights and to the folks in first class. Mm. Um, And then some of the international um, airlines are completely taken away. And the reason is, is because they want to decrease the amount of touch points that you're having with the flight attendants. Oh, okay. So it's to protect the flight attendants. But you can get as, on some of these, you can get as much soda or pop, depending on what part um, of the country you're on, or yeah. water as you want. And huh. they're still going to come around and give you snacks and stuff. So it's like taking it away an option. But to me, if I'm not drinking alcohol, I'm going to want water or yeah. I'm going to want something else. Um, so I'm still going to be bugging the flight attendant regardless. So I think there's good intention behind it, but I think it's kind of flawed. But I'm also not like a public health official either. So <laughs> Same. <laughs> and basically, if you're all going to be stuck on the plane for a very, very long flight, like maybe COVID-19 disappears when you go across the ocean. I don't know. But the rules don't apply there. Maybe it's just because it's longer. Maybe because it's longer, they have more time to, like, sanitize in between when they come out and ask you for if you want anything. I don't know. Those are just speculations. But I saw quite a few articles about how they're limiting what they're doing. So, yikes. It just doesn't sound fun to fly right now. Period. Yeah, I don't have any flights Mm-mm. in the near future. I'm glad that Coop Camp is like a drive, not a flight. <laughs> yes, yes. For us I'm, anyways. I'm glad about that too. <laughs> yeah. So I think the airlines are just, they have really great intentions and there's a reason why they're doing it. But it just, it does deter me from wanting to fly anytime soon, trying to think about the logistics of how they're going to socially distance people. Like, can they even do that? Like, what's the bathroom situation like? Like, are they going to go in and sanitize after each person uses it? Holy cow. Like, <laughs> I don't even know. So I will just refrain from flying anytime soon. Um, not that I was going to anyways. But if you are flying, um, you might want to look up what the snack beverage policy is going to be for your flight because some flights are even getting rid of the snacks so you can bring what you need to bring um by yourself when you're getting on the plane yes uh but whatever you do don't be that person that brings like i'm trying to give a meal that i feel like somebody always ends up Tuna eating fish. on a plane yes oh my gosh <laughs> yeah any kind of fish really is probably not great in an enclosed space. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I tend to stick to like sandwiches if I'm going to bring my yeah. own food on the flight and not a tuna fish sandwich. You know, I'm thinking yeah. like turkey and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that's PB and J. Not offensive <laughs> to the nose. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can send us your can't evens by posting them in our Facebook group. Send them to us via Facebook Messenger, Instagram, or you can email them to us at drinkandfireatgmail.com. And you can also leave them to us on our voicemail. We have all sorts of ways you can get a hold of us. So You have no excuse not to. We've given so true. many options. <laughs> all right. Um, also, leave us a review if um, you have access to Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review if you haven't. 
Um, you can do that on your smartphone, on your iPad, or you can download iTunes onto your laptop and leave a review that way. We read one review a week, and then if we write your review for the month, we're going to put your name into a hat and draw a name, and that person will get an exclusive coffee mug that is not and never will be in the shop. So make sure you leave your Instagram handle or some way for us to call you out for you to say, hey, I'm so-and-so, here's my address after you win, uh, so we can hook you up. So we do have a review this week. Bev, do you want to read it? Sure. It's a nice, short, and sweet one. Yes. The title is The Best. <laughs> yes. Thank you. That is, that's enough of a review right there. <laughs> it really is. They said, I grew up working on a family farm, and now that I've moved away for school, I can still get my farm fix whenever I need it. Love hearing all these stories, and though I don't have my own place to start farming again yet, I love learning new stuff. And this is from... Kells? It looks like they just randomly hit the keyboard, so I don't know who it's from. But they're from Canada, so thanks. Yeah. Canada. All right. Um, just a few housekeeping items. Coop Camp 2020 is in Indianapolis, Indiana. Well, I should say right outside of it. Um, August 7th through 9th. We are planning to be there. We hope to see you. Yes. And we have a phone number. It's 401-426-3276, which is 401-426-FARM. Go ahead and save that number into your cell phone so you can call us and leave us random messages anytime Mm -hmm. you have a farm thing you want us to know. Uh, We play those on our minisodes. Yeah. We had a fabulous question in this week's minisode. So that's a great place if you have a question, don't want to post it in the group. Yeah. Leave us voicemail. You can also text us at that number too. Uh, Make sure you hit the subscribe button and download the episode when you listen. This helps more people like you find us. And share this episode over on Instagram in your stories. Actually, we want you to share the post that we post about this episode into your stories. Tag us at Drink and Farm and we will shoot you over a coupon code that is good in our merch shop for a discount. And make sure you take a look at the show notes to find links to the articles we discussed, a survey to tell us how we're doing, all of our social media goodness, and our merch shop. So that's it, guys. Thanks for listening. Happy summer, Juneteenth, fabulousness, dairy month month day. (laughs) There's a lot going on, guys. We hope you're not too hot, not too cold, but just right, like Goldilocks. Yeah. (laughs) And until next time. Drink. Farm. And give zero clucks. Bye, guys. Bye. We drink things. We farm things. We drink and farm Summer is here and it's a great time to put your chick, duckling, and gosling order in. We highly recommend My Pet Chicken because they have so much to offer. You can order Dale chicks and waterfowl, chicken supplies, hatching eggs, and there's a wealth of information on their website. You can mix and match all the breeds with no per breed minimum. The possibilities and combinations are just about endless. So go to mypetchicken.com slash drinkandfarm to put in your chick, duckling, or gosling order. That link lets them know that we sent you. 
And it's a great way to support our podcast and fulfill all your poultry addiction needs.